0: Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, uh, the end of chapter 11. We're going to read verse 32 to 39. This is our last week in Hebrews 11, and it's our week number 16. I went back to look. It has been 16 weeks in that one chapter, and uh, it's such—it's so rich, and we could, could lo- go longer, but I think it's time for us to move on. So we're going to close that chapter today, Hebrews eleven thirty-two to 39. Here is what the author of Hebrews said. Remember last week he just finished talking about Rahab, the harlot who uh, did not perish with those who did not believe because she accept, by faith because she accepted the spies in peace. Now he's picking up from there and he says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Japheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign an armies. Women, women received, um, women received back their dead, raised to life again. These where others there were others who were tortured, refused refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were uh, sawn into two, they were killed by the sword, they went about in uh, sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and uh, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Amen. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the grounds. They were all commanded for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they have uh, would they be made perfect? Amen? Yeah. All right, let's just go through this passage and um, we'll close close chapter 11. Verse 32, the author of Hebrews say, what shall, what more shall I say? We have seen the author of Hebrews going through a- individual examples of the Old Testament, starting with Abel and then we ended last week with the Rahab. Some of these examples he spent substantial part of the chapter talks about like Abraham and Moses, but now he's like, Well, it's getting too long, and what else can I say? I can go on forever. That's what he's saying. What else can I say? There are so many examples that I can go for. And then he listed a bunch of people from the Old Testament. There's no particular reason or order uh, for these six names that, that he named. The point that he's trying to make is that there are so many other examples that he can list from the old testament of people who lived their lives by faith amen so he mentioned here uh, gideon and barak samson and japheth david samuel and he summed up all the prophets after that in one word and he said and the prophets and then for the rest of that passage the author of hebrews highlighted to us three different things about faith in verse 33 to 35 he talked about the triumphs of faith and then in verse 35 to verse 38 he talked about the endurance of faith and then he closed the chapter to talk about the purpose or the goal or the perfection or the end of faith what is the point where is faith taking us that's why he talked about in verse 39 to verse 40. so let's talk about these three real quick the first one is the triumphs of faith. In verse 33 to 35, the author of Hebrews listed nine different things that is absolutely impossible to be achieved through our own strength, but it is possible to be achieved through faith. Amen? Mm-hmm. Let's go through these examples that he mentioned. Number one, he said, through faith, they conquered kingdoms. Examples of that, the bunch he just mentioned. Both old Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth, these are judges that we read about in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Each one of them conquered a kingdom and brought massive deliverance to the children of Israel. Gideon, for example, anybody knows his story? He had 300 people. They didn't even fight and he conquered the Midianite. Barak, He was the captain of the army and he wanted Deborah, the prophetess, so she can be like the one who's guiding the whole thing, but he ended up beating Sisera and his army. Samson, you guys remember his story, one man, and God used him to bring such deliverance to the children of Israel from the Palestinians. And then Jephthah, also a prophet, God used him to deliver the children of Israel. He's the guy who killed that Eglon, the fat guy who's uh, oppressing the children of Israel. Each one of these people conquered a kingdom. Think about it. It's pretty hard in the natural realm to conquer a kingdom. You guys are with me? But these people were able to accomplish the impossible. But how did they accomplish the impossible? By faith. They did conquer kingdoms by faith. Now, what is faith? We talked about this for the last 16 weeks. What is our church definition for faith? Faith is a action based on a trust in the actual Word of God. Every single one of these people actually received a direct word from God. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. God spoke to each one of them and He said, I want you to deliver, deliver My people. So they had the actual word of God, specific word from God. And in spite of the fact that the task ahead of them was literally impossible to be accomplished, yet they trusted in the word of God and they acted upon it. That's why they were able to conquer kingdoms. Amen? Number two, through faith they administered justice. What does that mean? Well, the, the word they administered justice is almost the author of Hebrews quoting it from uh, 2 Samuel 8, 8 verse 15. When it talks about David, and it says this, And David administering judgment and justice to all his people. So the author of Hebrews is pointing particularly to that part of David uh, king David kingdom. And he said, David administered justice and so many others administered justice, but they did it by faith. How? How does faith help us, help David to administer justice? Again, what is faith? Faith is action based on trust in the actual word of God. While David in our incidents here might not have a specific or even prophetic word from God that he need to administer justice, he had the inspired word of God. Amen? He read it in the Old Testament that God loves justice and because he read it in god's word he acted on it because he trusted in the actual promise of god you guys are with me what i'm trying to say is this faith is action based on trust in god's word whether god speak to you supernaturally or prophetically or specifically or just acting because what is written on this in the scripture either one is good enough amen Number three, by faith they gained what was promised. That phrase, gained what was promised, might be linked specifically to the examples that he has mentioned in verse 32, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, who conquered kingdoms, administered justice. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is this. When God spoke to all these people, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, He said, I want you to deliver my people, and I will bring deliverance on your hand. So they acted because they trusted in the actual promise of God, and in response, they received the specific promises that God has given to each one of them. Amen. So this phrase here, by faith they gained what was promised, is the specific promises that God has given to each and every one of them. Amen? Number four, through faith they shut the mouth of the lions. Who's that in the scripture who shut the mouth of of the lions? Daniel, Daniel, absolutely. Daniel uh, obeyed God. Now, think about it as well. when when the king issued a decree that if you don't ask everything from him, Daniel disobeyed the order of the king, but Daniel did not have a promise from God that he will be delivered. You guys are with me? He had the written word of God that he should worship nobody but God. He should request from nobody anything except God. So Daniel acted because he trusted the written word of God regardless of the outcome of his trust you guys are with me it just happened that god chose to deliver daniel by miraculously sent one angel to send to shut the mouth of the alliance that was in that den number five by faith they quenished the fury the fury of the flames who did that daniel's friends right shadrach Meshach, and bendigo again the king issued a command that they all, everybody in the kingdom should worship the king, the emperor. Did they obey? No. Did they know that God will surely deliver them? They weren't sure about it. They say God can. He can deliver us if he chooses to. And, but whether he delivers us or not, we're not going to worship you. Why? What is their faith here? They, it's action, which is, we're going to go through that fire, based on trust in the an inspired Word of God. You guys are with me? They didn't have a specific word from God that once they go through the fire, they're going to come out safe. They didn't know about that. But they knew that the Word of God says, you shall not have any other gods before me. That's God's Word. I trust it and I'm going to act on it regardless of what's going to happen to me. God decided to show up in this incident, and he showed the kingdom his power and his might. When someone was the light, the son of God came down and was with these three guys in the midst of the fire. Amen. And God showed the king and everyone who lives in the world at that time that he is the one and only true God. Amen. Number six by faith they escaped the edge of the sword many examples to count in the old testament but let's look at David David escaped the sword of Goliath by faith right he's like who is that uncircumcised Palestine who would who will mock the living God and he went there and he took him out he didn't care how big he is or how big his sword is because David trusted in the word of God that was written and given to him amen David also was Rescued from the safe, from the from the sword of uh, Saul, the king, right? Now, David has a specific word from God that he will be king one day, and because he trusted in that specific prophetic word that God has given him, he did not. He was able to escape the sword of King Saul. Amen. What's the point? The point is. Faith is to act based on the word of God, whether that is a written word of God, the inspired word of God, or a prophetic supernatural word of God. As long as you know it's God, and as long as you know He spoke, then you can act on that. Amen. Amen. Number eight, well, number seven. Through faith their weakness was turned into strength. We have many examples like that in the old testament. Remember Samson? When one time the, he uh, was so exhausted from the battle and he's like, God, I'm just uh, tired. And then God showed him that the, the jaw of a donkey and he grabbed it and he went after the Palestinians with his weakness. But that very weakness that Samson had turned out to to a massive slaughter to the armies that are against the people of God. You remember that? So his weakness has turned into strength because he again trusted God. God gave him a word. That he will be a Nazarene, and that he will deliver God's people, and because of that, his weakness turned into strength. Another example: Hannah in the Scripture, the mother of Samuel. She actually prayed after she uh, had her son in First Samuel two four, and she talks about God, and she says this: "The bows of the the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled, the weak, are armed with the strength." And that's her experience. She was weak. She was being mocked by her, uh, you know, the other, the other wife of her husband. And she just couldn't have a baby on her own strength. But God gave her a word and that word made her strong. And she was able to conceive and bring forth Samuel. And her weakness by faith was turned into strength. Amen. Number eight. Through faith they became powerful in battle and rooted the foreign armies. This part right here, number eight, might be just a continuation of what he was saying in number seven, which is their weakness has turned to strength. And then he's explaining that more by saying, they received power in battle so they can root foreign armies. However, having said that, we still have many examples of the Old Testament of of weak group of people who were able to root out armies. They just abolished Foreign armies. Amen. For example. We have Jonathan and his armor bearer. Remember that story. In uh, in the Old Testament. When Jonathan told his armor bearer. Why we're here with these Palestinians. Trying to mock us and make fun of us. Let's go against them. Two people. Well it's actually one with his armor bearer. His assistant. went, Went against an army. And they were able to defeat the whole army. Because they trusted in the living God. Amen. The triumphs of faith. You trust God, God comes through and the impossible is being accomplished. Amen? Number nine, by faith women received back their dead, raised to life again. I think, well, uh, William Lane, one of the commentators, pointing out to the Shunammite woman in the life of Elisha, the prophet. And that phrase, uh, by faith they received back their dead, might be a quote actually from 2 Kings 4.37, when the Shunammite woman received back her child, the scripture says this, the woman received her son. That's in 2 Kings 4.37. And that might be the part that the author of Hebrews is referring to here, that this Shunammite woman had so much faith, and because of that faith, her dead son came back to life. Amen? Now, this is one woman of faith, if you remember the story. Her son died, and then she wanted to run to Elisha the prophet so that he can pray for her son and Elisha didn't she can see her coming from afar and that she's distressed but he told his uh, servant uh, Gehazi go and ask her uh it wasn't Gehazi he told his servant go ask her What's going on? Because the Lord has hidden from me what's going on. So the servant of Elisha go to the woman who's coming toward Elisha. And he's asking, how are you? Is everything is well with you, with your husband and with the kid? And what does she reply? All is well. Remember that story? (coughs) All is well. Her son is dead. And she thinks all is well. You know why? Why? Because she knew that even her dead son is not such a difficult situation for God to change. Amen. Amen. All is well. My son is dead, just died, and all is well. We were in Indiana last week, and um, Kazia was jumping on my shoulder, and we were messing around. And I pulled her arm the wrong way, and I think something happened to her arm. We took her to the doctor. They told us something called the nursemaid syndrome, whatever that is. The doctor went there and um, they twisted her arm back and they clicked and they went back to normal. But it's just funny because like, when I saw Kezia not feeling well and her arm just doesn't look right, I was just so worried about her. And I just like taking her to the doctor, she's in the back seat and I'm just, God, please intervene, please touch her. I don't want her to, you know, to to feel that much pain. And my heart just so did worry for her. And that's just, she's acting fine, everything is fine. It's just her arm needs to be twisted. I cannot imagine that one of my kids will be, God forbid, dead. And I would say, all is well. Right? I'm probably going to be, why me, God? You know, why are you doing this to me? You know, I love you and I want to serve you. Why are you doing this to me? And I would start murmuring and complaining. I know I, I would. But this woman was a woman of faith. All is well. She left her son dead at the house and she says, all is well. What is faith here? Faith is action based on trust in the written word of God that God can raise that dead. She just knew if she can get to the prophet Elisha, he will pray for her and her son I'm not sure if she knew for sure that he will be raised, but she knew that there is a possibility that he could be raised. Amen? And she did not see that her son died, and therefore she took the son, buried him and said, Hey, he's dead. What else can I do? Right? I mean, after somebody died, what else can you do? Right? But this woman said, Yes, I know my son is dead, but I know there is a God in heaven who can raise the dead. Therefore, even though he already died, I'm still going to try to do something about it and she ran to the prophet Elijah and God ultimately answered her prayer and she received her son back to life. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Faith can help us do what is impossible in the natural realm. You add impossible plus faith equal possible with God. Amen? This is the triumphs of faith. And we have seen that throughout the chapter 11, how people through faith did insanely crazy things and God brought it to, to pass. But now there's a flip side to, to flip side to that coin. And we read about that flip side in verses 35 to 38. And we read here about the endurance of faith. Now look at other people and what they did by faith. Faith here is pretty much action based, still, action based on trust in the Word of God. The action here that we're going to see is people endured, persevered. That's the action that they did. Because they trusted either a written or an inspired word of God. So in spite of the fact that it was so difficult for them to go through what God wants them to do, they choose endurance, they choose perseverance, because for them, that's faith. We're going to act based on the word of God, regardless of what it costs us. Amen? So he starts showing us some other examples of, by faith, that's still the same exact faith that did miracles here, is still, by faith, others were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Now the word tortured here, that he's using, signifies to be beaten to death, that's the Greek word, that's what it signifies. It's actually rooted, the root word of that word torture is is the word, uh, comes from a Greek word that literally means rack. What happens is that time, sometimes they would kill people by fasting them into a wooden rack, their hands and their feet and they stretch their body and then they start beating them on their belly as if they were beating on a drum. You guys are with me? And then they start beating on them until the muscle walls in their belly collapsed and death occurred because of internal injuries. Now, this is a pretty awful way to die. So you are being beat, literally beaten to death. They keep on beating you till you die. And you know what is the craziest part about all of this? Not the horrific way they died, but the, the phrase that follows after that refusing wait a minute refusing to be released for, uh, to be released refusing to be released think about it they enduring insane amount of torture and physical pain and they can finish that pain at any second if they want to all what they have to do is say, you know what, forget that God thing, I don't, I'm, I'm out of here, God is not caring about me, if He's allowing me to endure that much pain, then I don't care for Him either, and I'm out of this. And if they would have chosen that route, they would have been released immediately from that insane torture, that insane suffering, and that insane pain. You guys are with me? Yeah. But look at that, By faith! By faith, they were beaten to death and they will take every single beat and they will still refuse to deny God. Because they chose the, the torture verses to deny the living God. Why did not God save them? Didn't we just read about God who does miraculous things by faith, right? Conquered nations, rooted armies, dead people come back to life by faith. But these people were tortured and were killed, yet they still have the exact same kind of faith that people who have the triumphs of faith still have. You guys are with me? They were tortured, refusing to be released. Why? So that they might gain an even better resurrection. Remember we just said in number nine in the triumphs of faith, that some women have received back their dead by resurrection. They thought that they can be, they can stop that torture and their life can be restored back to them in that sense. But they also knew that there is an eternal and better resurrection. And they saw that their death is actually the gate to that eternal resurrection that was promised to them in the scripture. And like Moses, remember Moses who looked at the reward. Remember faith is to see the unseen. These people also saw the unseen and they choose not to obey and subject to what they see with their physical eyes. Because with their spiritual eyes, they saw the unseen. They saw a better resurrection. They saw a faithful and mighty God who's ultimately going to deliver them from all that pain and torture. Amen. That's also by faith. They endured that torture by faith. By faith, others were mocked, were flogged, and even in chains and imprisonments. The examples in the Old Testament are too many to count, of prophets who has imprisoned and flogged and faced mocking because they choose to obey the Word of God and stand up to wicked kings. Example, Jeremiah, multiple times he was, uh, he, he was mocked, he was put in, 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 in a hole in, 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 a, in the ground, where it's absolutely awful. And so many other prophets in the Old Testament that we can think of. They endured massive imprisonment and chains and mocking and flogging and pain. Because they chose to trust the living God rather than compromise to the situations, to the wicked kings that is around them. Amen? Number three. Number three, now he start going through a couple of quick things here. By faith, they were put to death by stoning we see an example for that in the Old Testament. Zechariah, um, the son of the Johadiah, the priest, who was stoned because he refused to disobey the living God and he wanted to stand up to King uh, Joash. They were sawn into two. We don't know who that is, but probably from just outside biblical liter- literatures, it's probably the prophet Isaiah. Again, think of the amount of torture that you're gonna endure when you are being sawn into two. That's pretty awful. And some were killed by the sword. So many examples to count. I'm just thinking of another example than the one I mentioned here. Remember when King Saul um, was going, was chasing David? And David ran and he hid um, with the high priest um, Ahimelech, I guess. And then Saul heard about it and he went with his army to chase after David. And then when they all went there, uh, David was, uh, Saul was questioning the high priest. Where is David? And the high priest told him he's gone. And, and, and Saul wanted to kill the high priest and the priests of God. But nobody of his soldiers wanted to raise their swords against God's anointing. Except a guy called Dweg the Edomites. He's from Edom. So he's not even an Israelite. And he went around and he killed the high priest. And he called all the priests around him. And the only one who who was able to escape is Abiathar. The son of the high priest. who ultimately turned out to be. David's high priest um, who ministered as high priest in the kingdom of David think about that the high priest and all his Priests of that time they were all killed by the sword by faith They choose to stand up on the promises of God's word and not to compromise to a wicked and evil king And they ultimately ended up paying the ultimate price for that. They all were killed by the sword think about that David escaped the sword the high priest was killed by the sword, and all the other priests were killed by the sword. But they both went through these two radically different experiences by faith. It's the exact same faith. By faith, they went about in sheepskins and in goatskins. Examples of that is Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. The idea here is they were so poor. They were so desperate. They didn't even have proper clothing like everybody else. But they chose that kind of life because they chose obedience to God, regardless of whatever the cost they might have to do that. They might have to pay to do that. They were destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Again, the idea of these three words is how badly they were treated for the sake of obeying the Word of God. You guys are with me? Faith is action based on trust in the actual Word of God. They heard God's Word whether it's specifically in the lives of Elijah and Elisha or just God's written Word and they make an intentional decision to obey God no matter what comes my way. If I'm going to get poor, I'm going to get poor. If I'm going to get persecuted, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be mistreated, I'm going to be mistreated. If I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be mocked. If I go to jail, I'll go to jail. Whatever it takes to be faithful to the word of God, this is the way I'm going to live my life. Amen? And then it says this, the world was not worthy of them. I just love how, this is kind of strange. Think about that. People who walk in, Sheepskins and goat skins, poor, mistreated, persecuted, and destitute. You would think the phrase "the worthy is not worthy, the world is not worthy of them" should be reserved to the Bill Gates of the world, the people who invented Microsoft or the people who invented the Android and the Nobel Prize winners who really improved my, our lives, those who found a cure to the most horrible of diseases. And you can say, "Man, Einstein and all these geniuses. These are the people that the world is not really worth." Worthy of them, right? Maybe in our physical eyes, in our physical perspective we can say all these smart rich people are the ones that the world is not worthy of them, but from God's perspective, from God's eyes, he's thinking about different group of people, amen? He's thinking about people walking around in sheepskins skins and in good skins, mistreated, persecuted, going to jail, and at the bottom of the society, but because they chose to trust God, from god's perspective the world is not worthy of them i love how william lane put that phrase he said this although they were deprived of everything they were worth more than the whole world isn't that just powerful although they were deprived of everything they were worth more than the whole world They wandered aimlessly in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the grounds. I don't know how poor you are or how awful your situation is. You are not living in a hole in the ground. You didn't dig a hole in the ground so you can live in it. But this is the kind of life that those who chose to trust God and act by faith, this is the kind of life they lived Remember Elijah, the prophet, after Jezebel went after him, what did he do? He wandered aimlessly, right? He went to the desert, and he ran into a cave, and he lived there, and he's like, God, I just, I'm done. This is too much for me. They wandered aimlessly in desert and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. This is the endurance of faith. To trust God, no matter what it costs, I'm going to choose to trust God no matter what. Amen? So faith has that two-sided coin thing. It's just not because God commands us to have faith. Faith is not to say, God, I, I, I love this car. I'm going to have faith that you're going to give it to me. Well, it doesn't work this way. This is not what the Bible tells us about faith. Amen? Amen? Look at that following phrase. They were all commanded for their faith. The author of Hebrews here might have made a mistake because he should have only said, only those who experienced the triumphs of faith were commanded for their faith, right? Think about it. You trust God, and then you accomplish the impossible, right? You escape the edge of the sword. You you, you do massive things like you root out a foreign army. Now, that is the triumphs of faith, and that is the kind of faith that God would... Command, right? No, they were all the one who conquered armies and the one who died because of foreign armies. Amen. The one who escaped the edge of the sword and the one who died by the edge of the sword. Those who miraculously rescued from certain death and those who endured unspeakable torture and ended up in death. All in the eyes of God were commanded by their faith. Amen one amen amen Amen. now Jesus didn't die I hate to bring you this information this morning this news but Jesus didn't die on the cross so you can be healthy and wealthy amen or so you can name it and claim it or blab it and grab it this is not the biblical Christianity that the Bible is teaching us this might be America's Christianity but this is not what the Bible tells us about God amen you just said, Mercedes tells you Jesus is not uh, a microwave, right? Alright, here faith is not an ATM machine. It's the fact that you have faith and you choose to trust God. It doesn't mean that you have access to whatever your heart desires. I'm sorry, it doesn't work this way. Amen? You cannot go by any car you like and say, hey, this is the car that I want. I'm going to trust God for it. Guess what? You can trust God all that you want. You ain't going to have it. Amen? Because faith is not to just trust God. Faith is true. Action based on trust in what in the actual promises of God. If God has not said it, if not God, if God has not promised it, then you can trust Him all that you want. You're setting up yourself for disappointment, amen. Yeah. The abundant life that Jesus has promised is not a wealth filled life. You guys are with me, it is a satisfied life. This is the abundant life that Jesus has promised. Now, don't take me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you if you're healthy and wealthy and you are blessed. I want all of us to be as blessed as possible so we can bless the work of God. Amen? Amen. The flip side of that is that if you're not healthy or wealthy, but you're trying everything you do, you're applying for jobs, you're going to work and you're doing all that you can, but it's not working out the way you would like it to work, there's nothing wrong with you either. (laughs) You guys are with me? The fact that you have to be like, Jesus came so we all can just have tons of money and we can ride all the cars we want. And if you don't believe it, then there must be something wrong with you. No, the scripture tells us that there is nothing wrong with you. Amen? Now I'm not telling you grab a bag of chips and sit on the couch and say, God why am I poor? I'm not saying that. You need to work, you need to take your medicine, go to your doctor, pray and see God and do all that you can. But at the end of the day, you trust God. Whether He delivers you or not, you trust God. Amen? That is what faith is. We talked about this before. Faith is not to trust God for a certain outcome in a situation. Faith is to trust God regardless of any outcome from the situation. You guys are with me? Look at Job in the Old Testament, Job 1.21. Job said, when when he heard of all the disasters that happened to him, look what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In both situations, you guys are with me? I don't know about you, this is a... Somebody comes to me and say, hey Pastor Cam, we're going to give you a million dollars. All I'm going to say is, praise be the name of the Lord. Amen? And if the technician comes to my house and say, hey, we need $400 for your AC, I'll be like, why me, God? Right? But this is not the way it's supposed to be, right? Faith is to trust God no matter what. If he gives, blessed be the name of the Lord. If he taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 13, 15, one of the craziest scripture in the Bible. Again, this is what Job said about God. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Now, that's faith. To trust that God is able and that God is good, no matter what comes your way, regardless of what your physical eyes tell you, you choose to trust God anyways. Amen? Mm -hmm. Look at that. Let me show you some, the two sides of the coin here. Elijah escaped the wrath of Jezebel. He escaped the, the sword. But other prophets didn't remember that's exactly the threat that uh the threat that Jezebel told Elijah she said by tomorrow the same way I killed all the other prophets of God I'm gonna kill you right so there are other prophets of God that Jezebel was able to to kill but Elijah was not killed by her sword Peter escaped the sword of Herod we read about that in Acts chapter 12 but James the brother of Jesus just as of a saint he died by the sword of Herod You guys are with me? God moves the scales of Paul's eyes. When when Paul didn't even ask for it, God miraculously opened his eyes and miraculously healed him. The flip side of that is when Paul had that thorn in the flesh and he asked God. When he didn't ask God, God healed him. And when he asked God, what did God say? My grace is sufficient. There is two sides to that. And we have to be looking at the scripture from a comprehensive perspective. Not just take one scripture and run with it. Amen. Miraculous healing is for the believers, believe it or not, this is what the Bible says specifically in James chapter 5. James said if somebody is sick in the church, let the elders pray for him and the prayer, that prayer, will heal him from his sickness, amen? So miraculous healing is for believers, we are to experience that. The flip side of that, not because you're a believer, you will have to experience miraculous healing every single time you get sick. You guys are with me? Let me show you an example. This is what Paul said in Philemon 2, 25-26. He says this about Epaphroditus, which is a brother in Christ. He said, Indeed he was ill. This is Paul, was his friend, hanging out with him. And he said, Indeed, my brother was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also in me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Wait, wait a minute. Paul, the greatest healing evangelist of all times, he has a brother in Christ who's sick. And it seems like his situation got worse by time. So it seems from the wording here, indeed he was ill and almost died, is that he went from bad to worse, to the worst, to the point that he ultimately was going to die. God spared him. God might have spared him miraculously. We don't know. It doesn't seem like that from the wording. It seems like he just... Gradually start getting better and improving, but the point is Paul who is the greatest healing evangelist of all time Had his friend sick, and he could not heal him. Uh, We don't know all the situation, but um, Could have maybe didn't have access to him But the chances are we have a Christian a believer here who is not miraculously healed So there are two sides of that story and faith so which one Pastor Kami, you're confusing me now, should I trust God for my healing or should I not trust God for my healing? Here's what I'm thinking, what is faith again? Faith is a action based on a trust in the actual promises, the actual Word of God. If God speaks to you and God clearly tells you that you're going to be healed, then you should trust God for that healing. Amen? We have the gift of faith when you just know that you know that you know. This is what the scriptures say, that this supernatural miraculous thing is going to come to pass. So if God is giving you gift of faith for a specific situation, then you need to trust God and you need to claim that this healing or this supernatural thing will definitely come to pass. You have to hear from God. If you have not heard from God, see God, ask for the miraculous, but ultimately trust God no matter what. You guys are with me? The only difference is a word from God. And that's what it makes all the difference when it comes to faith. If you don't have a word from God, then trust Him for all that you want. It might never happen. And then you're going to disappoint yourself and say, God, you know, I don't know what didn't happen. God said, I never promised you that it will happen. You're assuming it's going to happen, but that's not my word. Amen? Amen. What does that tell you and me? That we need to know the inspired Word of God, and we also need to hear from God prophetically as well because the Word of God is what's going to make all the difference. Amen? Amen. Now, let's just close with verse 39 and verse 40. Here's what the author of Hebrews closed the whole chapter here. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they uh, be made perfect. We have seen this before in the book of Hebrews, the phrase be made perfect or perfection in the book of Hebrews is exclusively a reference to one thing. You guys remember any of that in the past? The word perfect in the book of Hebrews is exclusively a reference to being perfected like ceremonially. That sin has gone once and for all and now you are being made perfect in the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. Amen? It's it's in the in terms of salvation, that's what the word is used. Remember a um, couple of times here, um, the author of Hebrews said this, he said that by the sacrifice, by this will, we are being made the, perfect by the offering of the sacrifice of Christ once and for all. Remember that verse in in chapter 10? Remember before he said about the law of the Old Testament, if the law would have brought perfection, we will not need a new covenant. Remember that part? Over and over, the word perfect in the the book of Hebrews is an exclusive reference to sin being gone once and for all, and we are being made perfect before the eyes of a holy and righteous God. So that's what the author of Hebrews is saying here. He said, God did not grant the Old Testament saint his promise because he wanted all of us, the Old Testament and the New Testament saints, to enter into that perfection all as one body. The word promise here is must be a reference to the fulfillment of all the promises that God has promised through Christ. You guys are with me? The salvation, the perfect and complete salvation that God has promised through Christ. So the author of Hebrews is saying here that the Old Testament saints did not receive the ultimate promises of God that can only be granted through Christ because God wanted to wait so that the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints can enter into God's perfect salvation together as one body. Amen? Now, We understand that in the New Testament. We look back and say, oh, it makes sense that the Old Testament saints had to wait and they didn't have received it because we knew that Jesus came and through Jesus we all can have access to God, Old Testament saints and New Testament saints. However, imagine yourself, you're looking at that from the Old Testament saints' perspective and you see that the promises of God are not being fulfilled. You, You don't know why. Obviously God has the plan, but you don't know that plan and yet you still, See that God has promised you something and that promise is not coming to pass and you're confused. God, I don't understand this. You promised, but this is not happening. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. But the Old Testament cha- says, choose to trust God that somehow in spite of the fact that they don't see the fulfillment of His promise. They, ch- they choose to trust God that He will bring it to pass one way or another. You guys are with me? And what the author of Hebrews is saying this, the uh, the Old Testament says, did not comprehend the full plan of salvation. God's perfect and complete plan that we see right now. Yet by faith, they chose to trust God. Not understanding his purposes, not understanding his way. As a matter of fact, even contradicting what His lo- their logic might tell them. That God promised something that is not coming to pass. Yet in spite of all of that, they chose to trust God. God and now that we look backward at it we can see what God was doing and if the Old Testament Saints did that so show, so should you do the exact same thing as New Testament believers amen if you have a situation in your life and you don't understand God you don't understand his ways well if you understand God's ways then you might as well go and sit on the throne next to him right we trust God regardless if understand him or not we obey his word we do what He commanded us to do. And yet, ultimately, at the end of the day, whether God answer yes or answer no or answer wait a little, regardless of God's answer, we choose to trust Him because He's a loving Father and whatever He does, His ways, and everything He does is just and out of His love for us. Amen? Amen. It's hard to live it. It's easy to preach it and hard to live it. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't stand here and preach about trusting God all that you want. I told you, my daughter. I was freaking out when I was taking her to the doctor. So um, I understand, and God understands that too. He understands that we're weak, and in so many areas we fall, but we're just trying to exhort one another here. Amen? Amen. Let's just choose to trust God no matter what comes our way. Amen? Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray.